You're listening to the Relevant Truth Podcast. My name is Roger Mason. This podcast is dedicated to examining biblical truth. The Bible is overflowing with relevant truth useful in our everyday lives. Thus the title, Relevant Truth. The Bible was relevant to those that first heard it through the apostles and prophets. It is also timeless truth, which means that is relevant for us today in the 21st century. It is my hope that through this podcast, you will be both encouraged and challenged as we look at the Bible together. In today's podcast, we want to look at a story from the life of David, taken from 1 Samuel chapter 23. Saul saw David as a rival and sought to kill him. David was running for his life as a fugitive. David sought direction from the Lord. Saul assumed that he had a direction given to him by God. Today we want to examine four false assumptions concerning the will of God. So this story is found in 1 Samuel 23 verses 1 to 13. One day news came to David that the Philistines were at Keilah stealing grain from the threshing floors. David asked the Lord, Should I go and attack them? Yes, go and save Keilah, the Lord told him. But David's men said, We're afraid, even here in Judah. We certainly don't want to go to Keilah to fight the whole Philistine army. So David asked the Lord again. And again the Lord replied, Go down to Keilah, for I will help you conquer the Philistines. So David and his men went to Keilah. They slaughtered the Philistines and took all of their livestock and rescued the people of Keilah. Abiathar the priest went to Keilah with David, taking the ephod with him to get answers for David from the Lord. Saul soon learned that David was at Keilah. Good, he exclaimed. We've got him now. God has handed him over to me, for he has trapped himself in a walled city. So Saul mobilized his entire army to march to Keilah and attack David and his men. But David learned of Saul's plan and told Abiathar the priest to bring the ephod and ask the Lord what he should do. And David prayed, O Lord God of Israel, I have heard that Saul is planning to come and destroy Keilah because I am here. Will the men of Keilah surrender me to him? And will Saul actually come as I have heard? O Lord God of Israel, please tell me. And the Lord said, He will come. Again David asked, Will the men of Keilah really betray me and my men to Saul? And the Lord replied, Yes, they will betray you. So David and his men, about six hundred of them now, left Keilah and began roaming the countryside. Word soon reached Saul that David had escaped, so he didn't go to Keilah after all. At this time in David's life, he was running as a fugitive from Saul. Saul saw David as a rival and sought to kill him, using all the resources of Israel available to him. News came to David that the city of Keilah, south of Adullam, was under attack by the Philistines. This was a city in Judah close to the Philistine border. David's men were opposed to fighting the Philistines at Keilah. But David's men said, We're afraid even here in Judah. We certainly don't want to go to Keilah to fight the whole Philistine army. That's First Samuel 23 and verse 3. 
Their reasoning probably sounded like this. We are fugitives in our own country. The armies of Israel are looking for us. And now you want to pick a fight with the whole Philistine army? This was the reasoning of David's men. However, David moved to defend the city after getting God's direction on the matter. 1 Samuel 23 and verse 5. So David and his men went to Keilah. They slaughtered the Philistines and took all of their livestock and rescued the people of Keilah. Guided by the Lord, he fought against the enemy, saved the town of Keilah, and captured a large amount of livestock. In our text, David inquires of the Lord five times. It says in verse 2 that David asked the Lord. This was concerning the fighting of the Philistines at Keilah. And then in verse 4, it goes on to say that David asked the Lord again. This is after David's men opposed fighting the Philistine army at Keilah. In verse 10, it says that David prayed. This is after David learned of Saul's plan to attack David. And then in verse 11, it says, O Lord God of Israel, please tell me. David asked the Lord if Saul was coming to attack him. And then in verse 12, it says, again, David asked. David asked the Lord if the men of Keilah would betray him. So five times we have David praying and inquiring from the Lord what he should do. After David and his men rescued the city of Keilah from the Philistines, they escaped because their presence there was endangering the city. Saul called off the plan to move against Keilah after he learned that David escaped from the city. That's found in verse 13. The author makes a clear distinction between David and Saul in this story. David keeps seeking the Lord's guidance in the things that he faces. He asks God five times what he should do. On the other hand, Saul assumes that God has handed David over to him because circumstances were in his favor. Saul assumes that God was working on his behalf because David had trapped himself at Keilah. 1 Samuel 23 and verse 7. Saul soon learned that David was at Keilah. Good, he exclaimed. We've got him now. God has handed him over to me for he has trapped himself in a walled city. Let's look at some false assumptions regarding the will of God that we can draw from this story. The first false assumption is this. Never assume that just because there is a need, it is God's will for me to get involved. Verses 1 and 2. One day news came to David that the Philistines were at Keilah, stealing grain from the threshing floors. David asked the Lord, Should I go and attack them? Yes, go and save Keilah, the Lord told him. Keilah, an Israelite border town, was being systematically robbed of its grain by the Philistines. To plunder the Israelite border towns during harvest season was part of the Philistine military strategy to keep Israel weak, hungry, and poor. So the Philistines did this every harvest season. Keilah was an easy target for the Philistines. Instead of turning to Saul, their king, the people of Keilah seemed to appeal to David for deliverance from the Philistines. 
The threshing floors were hard, flat surfaces where the grain was trampled or crushed to separate it from the straw. The Philistines raided the threshing floor after the Israelites had harvested and processed the grain. David, even though he was a fugitive and an exile from the royal court, still felt it was his duty to serve Israel and protect the city of Keilah, a city of Judah. It seemed right to David to go and protect the city of Keilah. David had the resources to help them. They were a city in Judah. David was from the tribe of Judah. It seemed like a no-brainer. He should go and help them. Christians are often presented with similar circumstances. You may be asked to support some great Christian cause. It's a good cause to support. It seems like the right thing to do. I have the resources to support this cause. The time, the money, the effort. We assume that it's a right thing to do. Have you ever felt good about something, some Christian cause, and then had it go sour on you afterward? You assumed that you had God's approval, but you never really asked God about it. The door of opportunity was open to you. You assumed that God approved of what you were about to do. It seemed like the right thing to do, but you didn't really ask God if you should go ahead with it. During the time of Joshua, the Israelites were deceived into making a covenant with the Gibeonites. This is found in Joshua chapter 9. The Israelites listened to the Gibeonites. They examined the evidence and believed their story, but they never asked the Lord. Joshua 9 and verse 14. So the Israelite leaders examined their bread, but they did not consult the Lord. The New King James Version says here, but they did not ask counsel of the Lord. In Jeremiah chapter 2, God charged Judah for forgetting God. The Lord asked Judah why she had changed. Why have the people, the priests, the rulers, and the prophets forgotten all that God has done for them in bringing them out of Egypt? Why have they turned to idolatry? Let's read it. Jeremiah 2 verses 6 to 8. They did not ask, Where is the Lord who brought us safely out of Egypt and led us through the barren wilderness, a land of deserts and pits, of drought and death, where no one lives or even travels. And when I brought you into the fruitful land to enjoy its bounty and goodness, you defiled my land and corrupted the inheritance I had promised you. The priests did not ask, Where is the Lord? The judges ignored me. The rulers turned against me. The prophets spoke in the name of Baal, wasting their time on nonsense. What was the problem here? Judah turned from God. They no longer sought counsel from the Lord. When we don't seek counsel from God, we begin to depend on other things for our counsel. It may be ourselves. It may be our friends. It may be our experience. For Judah, they began to depend on other gods for counsel. Eventually, we will face something that will compel us to seek counsel from others. Who will we seek counsel from? Look at what David did here in our text. David didn't just assume he knew God's will. He asked the Lord what he should do. First Samuel 23 and verse 2. 
Therefore David inquired of the Lord, saying, Shall I go and attack these Philistines? And the Lord said to David, Go and attack the Philistines and save Keilah. So God gave consent to David's desire to help the city of Keilah. David could now go with a strong sense of God's approval and his guidance. This is how the Christian should face life, with this sense that God is for me and with me, and he is guiding me in the matters that I face. When we run into difficulties, we can always fall back on God's help because God has told us to come here in the first place because we've sought his guidance. But when we assume we know God's will without asking him to direct us, we run into difficulties. The Bible tells us, David inquired of the Lord in verse 2. David sought the will of God concerning whether the Lord had called him to deliver Keilah. David recognized that a need does not necessarily constitute God's call. God clearly told David to attack the Philistines and save Keilah. As God's chosen king, David had the responsibility to save and to deliver God's people. So David never assumed that just because there was a need that it was God's will for him to get involved. David inquired of the Lord. When God speaks to us, then we can move forward in faith, knowing that God is with us. Never assume that just because there is a need, that it is God's will for you to get involved. The second false assumption is this. Never assume that following God's will eliminates opposition. Verses 3 to 5. But David's men said, We're afraid, even here in Judah, we certainly don't want to go to Keilah to fight the whole Philistine army. So David asked the Lord again, and again the Lord replied, Go down to Keilah, for I will help you conquer the Philistines. So David and his men went to Keilah. They slaughtered the Philistines and took all of their livestock and rescued the people of Keilah. So David faced opposition from two places, from Saul, who was pursuing him, and from his own men that doubted whether they should go to Keilah. Saul was jealous of David, looking upon him as a rival and an enemy, and sought to eliminate him. But David's own men opposed his decision to fight the Philistines at Keilah. But David's men said, We're afraid even here in Judah. We certainly don't want to go to Keilah to fight the whole Philistine army. That's verse 3. They brought up a very valid point. David and his men were fugitives in their own country, running from Saul. David had experienced several close calls, barely escaping the hand of Saul. They were being hunted by the armies of Israel. Why make a new enemy by fighting the Philistine army? Let's worry about our own skin rather than putting our lives in more danger. This was the reasoning of David's men. Why take the risk of provoking a new enemy? Our lives are already in danger without inviting more danger. By going to Keilah and fighting the Philistines, we are only elevating the danger in our lives. Let's not take any more risks than is necessary. Risk is often involved in doing God's will. Our position is shaky at best, and now you want to take on the whole Philistine army? Again, this was the reasoning of David's men. 
Opposition from the outside is hard enough to face, but opposition from within the ranks is even more difficult to deal with. We expect opposition from our enemies, but from those closest to us, from our friends, we don't expect that. What do you do when faced with opposition? You go back to God, and this is exactly what David did. Verse 4, Then David inquired of the Lord once again, and the Lord answered him and said, Arise and go down to Keilah, for I will deliver the Philistines into your hands. Did I hear you right? We recheck our guidance. What is your will on this matter? So David asked the Lord again, and again the Lord replied. Verse 4. It's much easier to stand against opposition if you know you are moving within the will of God. A gifted leader like David might have been tempted to depend on his experience. This can become a trap for a leader to depend on their experience instead of inquiring from God. Instead, David turned to the Lord for the guidance that he needed. Even the counsel of his men did not sway him once he knew the mind of the Lord. Verse 5 tells us, So David and his men went to Keilah. They slaughtered the Philistines and took all of their livestock and rescued the people of Keilah. To move in the will of God guarantees the opposition of the enemy. Where do we get this idea that God will clear the road ahead of us when we walk in his will? This was not the experience of God's people. Just look at the biographies of men like John Wesley, George Whitfield, Martin Luther, Charles Spurgeon, Dwight L. Moody, and William Booth. All of these men endured opposition, hardship, and difficulty as they pursued the will of God. The third assumption is this. Never assume that just because circumstances are favorable that it's God's will. Verses 7 and 8. Saul soon learned that David was at Keilah. Good, he exclaimed. We've got him now. God has handed him over to me, for he has trapped himself in the walled city. So Saul mobilized his entire army to march on Keilah and attack David and his men. Never assume that just because circumstances are favorable that it is God's will. This was a false assumption that Saul held. When Saul learned that David was at Keilah, he said, Good, we've got him now. God has handed him over to me, for he has trapped himself in a walled city. Saul believed that it would be much easier to capture David in a fortified city than to chase him all over the wilderness. To this point, Saul had been unsuccessful in chasing down David. Saul was willing to destroy an entire Jewish town to capture David. Saul had already massacred the town of Nob because of their support for David. 1 Samuel 22 verses 17 to 19 And he, that is Saul, ordered his bodyguards, Kill these priests of the Lord, for they are allies and conspirators with David. They knew he was running away from me, but they did not tell me. But Saul's men refused to kill the Lord's priests. Then the king said to Doeg, You do it. So Doeg turned on them and killed them, eighty-five priests in all, all still wearing their priestly tunics. Then he went to Nob, the city of the priests, and killed the priests' families, men and women, 
children and babies, and all the cattle, donkeys, and sheep. Before this incident, Saul had been arguing with Ahimelech, the high priest, the priest in charge. Saul charged Ahimelech, the priest, with treason for supplying David and his men with provisions and inquiring of the Lord for him. 1 Samuel 22, verse 13. In reply, Ahimelech cited David's loyalty to the king and his own innocence in helping a man whom he believed to be faithful to Saul. That's verse 14. So Saul, in anger, had 85 priests of the Lord killed for their loyalty to David. As well, the entire priestly town of Nob was massacred. All of the inhabitants of the town were killed, including men, women, children, babies, and animals. Only Abiathar, one of the sons of Ahimelech, escaped and fled to David. That's 1 Samuel 22 and verse 20. Abiathar was the only survivor of this massacre. All of Ahimelech's family were massacred. David blamed himself for the death of Abiathar's family. David explained, I knew it when I saw Doeg there that day. I knew he would tell Saul. Now I have caused the death of all your father's family. That's 1 Samuel 22 in verse 22. Saul was now making a false assumption that David was held up in the border town of Keilah. When Saul heard that David was at Keilah, he decided to move on him quickly and trap him there. Saul's plan was to take David at Keilah and eliminate his rival to the throne. Saul said to himself, We've got him now. God has handed him over to me, for he has trapped himself in a walled city. Saul makes the false assumption that God has handed David over to him. We should never assume that just because circumstances are in our favor, that we are in God's favor. Favorable circumstances do not always equal God's favor. We cannot interpret favorable circumstances to mean that this is a sign of God's approval. God opens doors and closes doors, but not every favorable circumstance points to God's will and favor. We often need more than just favorable circumstances to determine God's direction and guidance for our lives. F.B. Myers gives us this illustration. He says this, When I was crossing the Irish Channel one starless night, I stood on the deck by the captain and asked him, How do you know Holyhead Harbor on so dark a night as this? He said, You see those three lights? All of them must line up together as one. And when we see them so united, we know the exact position of the harbor's mouth. When we know God's will, there are three things which always concur. The inward impulse, the word of God, and the trends of circumstances. God in the heart, God in the circumstances, indicating his will. Never start until these three things agree. So according to Myers, we need all three lights of God's guidance to give us direction. In addition to favorable circumstances, Myers calls this God in the circumstances, we also need God in the heart. 
Myers defines God in the heart as his word and his inward impulse. So we need all three of these to line up together to give us God's direction. We need God in the heart. That is, that inward prompting of God, as well as God's word. And in addition to those two, we also need favorable circumstances. But never assume that favorable circumstances alone indicates God's will. And finally, the fourth false assumption is this. Never assume that doing God's will results in my immediate personal benefit. Verses 9 to 13. But David learned of Saul's plan and told Abiathar the priest to bring the ephod and ask the Lord what he should do. And David prayed, O Lord God of Israel, I have heard that Saul is planning to come and destroy Keilah because I am here. Will the men of Keilah surrender me to him? And will Saul actually come as I have heard? O Lord God of Israel, please tell me. And the Lord said, He will come. Again David asked, Will these men of Keilah really betray me and my men to Saul? And the Lord replied, Yes, they will betray you. So David and his men, about 600 of them now, left Keilah and began roaming the countryside. Word soon reached Saul that David had escaped, so he didn't go to Keilah after all. David got word that Saul planned to come to Keilah seeking him. After discovering Saul's plot, David asked the Lord for guidance. Abiathar, the son of Ahimelech, was the only priest that had survived the massacre at Nob. But David learned of Saul's plan and told Abiathar the priest to bring the ephod and ask the Lord what he should do. That's verse 9. Abiathar had brought the ephod with him from Nob and was therefore able to make these inquiries to discover the will of the Lord for David. All of these questions could easily be answered by the Lord through the ermine and thuman attached to the breastplate of the ephod. David used the ermine and thuman to find out whether he was safe staying at Keilah. David sought to know two things. Would Saul come to Keilah to pursue him? And would the people of Keilah betray him to Saul despite the favor that he had shown them? God revealed that Saul would come and that the inhabitants of Keilah would betray David. Will the men of Keilah deliver me into his hands? Will Saul come down as your servant has heard? O Lord God of Israel, I pray, tell your servant. And the Lord said, He will come down. Then David said, Will the men of Keilah deliver me and my men into the hands of Saul? And the Lord said, They will deliver you. That's verses 11 and 12. David rescued the citizens of Keilah from the Philistines, yet they planned to turn him and his men over to Saul. Perhaps many of the people in the city were still loyal to King Saul, or perhaps they were afraid of Saul because of what Saul had done to the priests and their families at Nob. Saul accused the priests of Nob of supporting David, when this in fact was not true. Saul's insane jealousy caused the death of 85 priests and their families at Nob. The citizens of Keilah did not want to suffer a similar fate. We cannot expect everyone that we help to appreciate 
what we have done for them. Obeying God's will does not always have an immediate benefit or reward to it. Obedience to God's will results in blessing, but that blessing is rarely immediate. Blessing from obedience does not always come in a way that we recognize. We should never seek to follow God's will because we expect to get some immediate personal benefit from it. God told David that the citizens of Keilah would betray him. If we were in David's place, we would probably complain about the ingratitude of these people. They do not understand the risks that I am taking to help them, and these people show no or little gratitude for what I have done for them. What benefit do I get from my act of kindness to these people? But that's not how David thought. Let me be quick to say that you will always be blessed when you do the will of God. However, that blessing will not always come in a way that you will recognize. David received benefit from his obedience to God at Keilah, but there seemed to be no immediate benefit from this act of obedience. As we view David's life, we can see how God used this event to elevate David to the throne of Israel. David was told that the people of Keilah would betray him to Saul. Again David asked, Will these men of Keilah really betray me and my men to Saul? And the Lord replied, Yes, they will betray you. So David's presence at Keilah was putting the town at risk. David decided that he would leave the city and move to the open country. So never assume that doing God's will results in an immediate personal benefit. We've looked at four false assumptions concerning the will of God. Number one, never assume that just because there is a need that it is God's will for you to get involved. Number two, Never assume that following God's will eliminates opposition. Number three, never assume that favorable circumstances alone indicate God's will. And number four, never assume that doing God's will results in our immediate personal benefit. From the text, it appears that Saul held false assumption number three. Favorable circumstances indicate God's will. David doesn't appear to have held any of these false assumptions. An assumption is a guess, an hypothesis, a notion, an idea, or a theory that we construct. I have called these false assumptions because they are not true. They are lies that we believe about God's will. When we live our lives based on false assumptions, we are headed for disaster. David is our example. The text tells us five times. David asked the Lord, verse 2. David asked the Lord again, verse 4. David prayed, verse 10. Lord God of Israel, please tell me. These were the words of David in verse 11. Again, David asked in verse 12. David kept seeking the Lord for guidance and for direction, not allowing the circumstances of life to dictate his direction and define what is true. He was a seeker of God. He kept continually seeking God for guidance and for direction. And this is what we must do 
as believers continually seek the Lord for direction and guidance in life. Join us in two weeks for our next episode of Relevant Truth. Never miss an episode of the podcast by subscribing on iTunes. If you like this podcast, why not rate and review the podcast on iTunes? To contact me, there's a website you can visit, relevanttruthpodcast.com, where you will find an archive of all of these messages and also book recommendations. You can also contact me at rockrevmason.com. 79 at gmail.com or at the Facebook page Relevant Truth Podcast. The music used on this podcast was produced by my son Brent Mason. We will be back in two weeks. Thanks for listening.